0: Today on the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show, Carl and Nick are once again joined by Eric Trickle to wrap up their thoughts on the previous Senior Bowl, including their takeaway thoughts from the game and the week itself. This is the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for
1: all things Broncos.
2: Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up draft style. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always I have my co-host and good friend, Nick Kendall. And we're joined once again by Mile High Huddle's senior draft analyst, Eric Trickle as well. Eric, how are things going for you up there in Alaska?
1: Going pretty good. Rather tired. Mm -hmm. Been staying up late doing a lot of draft stuff and film stuff and senior bowl breakdowns and all this other stuff. So I'm tired.
2: Has it warmed up yet?
1: Uh, no, I think we're into the still, like just barely. Oh no, actually, we're over twenty right now, so warmed up a little bit. But normally means that we're, it's going to snow
0: when it warms up. <laughs> and Nick, how are you, man? I am doing okay. I'm in the the bedroom right now, and it when we shut the door in the bedroom, it gets freezing cold in here. So I am. It's like thirty degrees here in Iowa City. So I mean, I'm, it's not Alaska cold, but it's <laughs> it's cold again, and I'm I am starting to look forward to spring. I'm getting all my stuff. It's actually my birthday a week from today. And when I asked for a, a sleeping bag for backpacking, that's kind of the, the plan this summer. So it's just starting to think spring, starting to think summer and get me the heck out of this cold. I, I'm done with it,
2: man. I, I feel
0: spoiled here. It's like 55 here today. Ugh. Ugh. And then you got that nice based hand from mobile last week.
2: I did. I did. I'm I'm looking good right now. Wife is loving it. <laughs> Oh man. Keep,
0: keep, <laughs> keep it PG. I'm
2: sorry. Sorry guys. <laughs> I, I was going through music for a, uh, an event earlier today. I think I told you guys this, uh, I told Nick about this and it's a, a Valentine's banquet for some couples and I'm supposed to play a piano. And I was thinking about the, the boys to men song. I'll make love to you. But I, I decided that might not be quite appropriate.
0: I think you should just go for it. Yeah. Make I had a friend that
2: recommended, uh, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Ooh, that'd be great! Like a yeah. slow
0: down acoustic version.
2: <laughs> of course. Got to keep it classy. <laughs> exactly. Well, everybody, I want to welcome you to the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show, and it's all focused on all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos as it relates to the upcoming NFL Draft. With Nick and myself, and of course Eric being draftaholics, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode. From scouting reports, player value, scheme, and personnel fits, and of course, general draft related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick MHH and Eric at Eric Trickle. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod. And make sure you check out ours and our co writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com and affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so as a call to action, go take the time and go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Well, boys, it it feels good to be back in my regular office and actually have my regular microphone again. I I had to laugh because the... First time now that I've actually taken this out of my bag since I packed it for the trip.
0: Yeah, you brought it down there, but we—you uh, lost your bag, so I wasn't sure if you were going to get it on there with the—if uh, you soaked it around your underwear or whatever. Or if that would, you know, <laughs> if that was hidden down there. But either way, last week's episodes were good. Sound quality was fine, but it's—it's it's good to be hearing your voice again, even though it sounds like you got a little bit of a cold going on there.
2: A little, little something. I, I might have got something from down there, but. I'm I'm just, like I said, I'm excited to be back and excited to talk some more football with you guys.
0: He shouldn't look like Baker Mayfield that much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's a good looking guy, man. Couldn't help myself.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no arguments here.
2: <laughs> well, let's just, let's, let's jump into this. And we thought we'd start off our show here today and talk a little bit about the senior bowl, kind of close out our, our, our time down there and start off one uh, with maybe one of the worst takes of all time that has kind of been making its rounds around Twitter, Facebook, everywhere, and that is that the Broncos coaching staff sucks because they lost this game. I'll just let you guys kind of talk about that. What, what, what do you even think about that?
1: I think it was funny that while we were watching over the game that I was actually sitting there trying to make this argument with you guys, and you guys just weren't having it. I actually think it's a stupid argument. The Senior Bowl game means very little. There's a reason why most of the people there – Leave before the game actually happens. They leave late Friday or early su- or early Saturday, so the game means little. Obviously, it's nice to see some players do very, very do well and to be able to take a step forward, like some of the players that we'll talk about did. But evaluation purposes, it's a smaller aspect for the game than it is for the weeks of practices. So, if you're actually really saying that the Broncos coaching steps sucks because they got annihilated in it, annihilated in the game, then I don't know what to tell you. It's just a few days of practice, they're installing a basically a whole playbook for them to use, all just in a matter of days. I know one of the things I was saying to you, um, both of you guys when we were watching the game live in a hangout together was that during the regular season, they only have a week basically to prepare. And while that's true, it's I'm surprised neither of you mentioned the fact that they're not having to install a whole playbook because in the NFL, you have the playbook installed by the time regular season comes around.
0: So, I mean, you have OTAs and preseason and chemistry yeah. with your whole organization and just yeah. better, better have, understanding of the guys around you. It's yeah, yeah. night and day. So,
1: all, it's all those different aspects into it as to knowing a playbook. Sometimes that players just don't go out there and play all that well. Sometimes they struggle on the big stage. And I think one of the, Biggest players to struggle was a quarterback on the North, the Broncos coached North team. So I just think multiple factors played into it, and I wouldn't actually use this as a resemblance of the Broncos coaching ability. It's little in terms of evaluating prospects, more so evaluating prospects than evaluating the coaching staff that's there to try to evaluate the players instead of actually try to really win a game.
2: Well, and no, I'll add, especially early on in that game, there was about three times i think that on third down and manageable the quarterback made a nice throw and the receiver just dropped it that completely killed some drives that they had a couple things going on and that just the coaches cannot be to blame for a receiver dropping a pass and the north receivers were dropping passes all week and that was just a showing of of the lack of talent i guess i would say at the wide receiver position for that group I mean, there was some talent, but it wasn't great. And so, again, you, you can't blame the coaching staff if receivers can't catch a stupid pass.
0: Yeah, that one that was second drive, I believe it was, with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it was an RPO with Jaleel Scott in the slot, lined up to the left. Beautiful pass, beautiful timing, correct read, correct touch, hit him in the hands, bounced off, fourth down. I mean, what, what can you even do at that point? Take Jaleel Scott off your board, I guess, but that's, I mean, what... You can't blame that on him. And I feel, I wanted to touch on what you just said a little bit ago, Eric, about quarterback playing horribly. Good God almighty, Tanner Lee is bad at throwing the football. Yeah, that yeah. dude, Oh, that dude is, like I was like wanting them to put in Trevor Simeon. And that is like, that's an indictment. So that's, yeah, he's definitely off my board completely. I know there's was some hype going in. He had a big arm, you know, athletic kid, decently, had the size. Forget about it. That kid just throws YOLO balls all game long, has no feel for the pocket, and any sign of pressure, he panics and throws it throws it up. So, yeah, that's garbage. He, he was bad. I'm sorry to pile on a kid, but yikes.
1: I won't agree 100% with the bad feel in the pocket because there were multiple plays where there was pressure, and he did a decent job escaping it and moving around, but he just couldn't make the throw. It, his mechanics, everything just went out the window. But he showed a decent enough pocket presence when the pocket started to collapse.
0: The issue was sometimes it wasn't collapsing, and he was panicking.
1: Yeah, that what well, that is a serious issue there. That's what That's I. That's something saying. that Denver fans should have a lot of experience
0: with, uh, all of Trevor Simeon. Yep, you got to be able to hang tough in the pocket, especially when it's collapsing. But even more so when it's not collapsing. Because <laughs> I mean, if it's not collapsing, you got to take advantage of that pocket. And he, if that first read wasn't there, and you know that timer went off. Alarm bells going off. You could just see it. Classic case of a guy who doesn't really have that clock in his head and just chucking it up. So He was really bad. What was his final stat line of the day? It was, it was putrid.
1: Yeah, it was, like I think, like two passes completed or four passes completed or something like that.
0: Yeah, he was eight for 19 with an interception and 86 yards. So, I mean, again, we're not going to overhype it, but when you go in there, you can see that just not getting it done. So, ben and, Kurt
1: was the quarterback I was thinking of with four completions. He wasn't good either. No,
0: nah, he struggled four for eleven. Uh, Kyle Aletta and Mike White were better.
1: He had probably one of the best passes in the game, but outside of that, it was oh. not very good.
0: That was an awesome pass. I remember I was a little bit ahead of you guys in the stream, and when that pass happened, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And you guys were like, "What? What? What?" And like, just <laughs> wait, awesome pass coming up. <laughs> yeah, Rashad Penny. He uh, he stepped up. I guess we might as well move on to the. Uh, to some of the studs and duds that we wanted to talk about from the game, you know, the game itself, you know, Eric touched on it. it doesn't really matter that much. A lot of the evaluators leave beforehand. Carl was already back uh, in Kansas when the game kicked off, but it's still, you know, I mean, you're looking for talent and guys flash guys stand out. And one of my offensive studs that was pretty good this week, I don't have them written down and I see Eric hasn't written down too, but Eric, you have like 20 guys written down for offensive studs. So I'm going to take this one. Rashad Penny, <laughs> by all accounts, he didn't have a great week of practice. Uh, He was for the South roster, but once the game started going, he showed why he's a guy that I think is a valuable day two player. He has good vision for his size. He has some get up and go away speed. He had a run that was amazing. Uh, One of those, the Appalachian state guard that I mocked to the Broncos in like the fifth round, I think his name is Gossett. He had a big run on that, but Penny, Penny had a great game, man. He, he showed some speed and for his size, that's, that's a talented kid. So I, if the Broncos are looking to replace CJ Anderson, especially, you know, potentially round 3 round 4 uh, penny is a guy that i'm very interested in round two. he showed pretty well in the game i'm i'm a i'm a fan of him he does have some issues but in the game itself rashad penny had a good one
1: yeah he did the catch and run that he had for the touchdown just it showed an extra gear that he has and for a guy his size it's always great to see that extra gear his vision's outstanding he's not the toughest guy between the tackles but he can be I really like him, and I really think that he ends up going in the second round, personally. And I would love to see him in Denver. He would compliment Devontae Booker and D'Angelo Henderson oh so well.
0: Yeah, I can't disagree. My other offensive stud that, I, again, another running back. You can see where my, my eyes went, I guess, or just some of the guys that were put on display. But Kalen Blage from Arizona State, he had probably one of the better weeks of practice from all accounts. And from what I saw, he was not only good as a running back. I mean, he's obviously a good athlete because he's, what is he, six? two 230 pounds he's a big kid and he he can move he had one of the for for his size that's pretty special and he had 10 carries for 59 yards and averaged 5.7 yards per carry I mean they were force feeding him there for a little bit but the thing that really makes him stand out to me is his ability as a pass catcher he uh was not as utilized in the game in that regard I wish they would have because he showed it in practice and everything that he could be a pretty good all around offensive weapon. I've been hyping Jalen Samuels, who also had a pretty good game, but I think Kalen Balaj is another guy that if you're looking for that new age running back where, you know, you get that guy in space a lot more, you utilize more in the running or the passing game as well. Balaj has a special skill set overall that would be very intriguing for a team, especially one that might want to utilize a little bit more spread concepts in their offense. Was anybody else impressed with Balaj in the game? I just felt like the Broncos staff were force feeding him touches and, he responded pretty well. I think if he was allowed a full game, he might have broken one or two. I know his vision isn't isn't the, been the best at Arizona State, but Arizona State's offensive line, especially run blocking, has been horrible. Bad. So he's, he's not a typical between the tackles runner, despite his size. But you get him in an offensive scheme where you he's getting the ball in space at his size and his explosiveness, he could be a problem.
2: But no, I I think Kalen Bilodeau, he surprised me a little bit this week at practice and just some of his big runs that he had, the power, the speed, the route. Running, that was something that I really never got to see there at Arizona State with him. There's a lot of teams that were talking that they would, they would think even about moving him to receiver because of how well he was running as a receiver, had really good hands. I, I, he was. He was a pretty impressive kid that I think Arizona State didn't always use him to his best ability. And then, of course, Jalen Samuels. Yeah, he's, he's the new weapon of the NFL. NFL teams are finally kind of catching up of needing that just all around utility guy that you can just do so many different things with. And the Patriots do it best. I know how te- I hate saying that, but that you got to respect what they do with, with their running backs and how they can use them, especially just to tell what kind of defense the the opposing team is running just by how they move their running backs. Are they in man? Are they in zone? How are they going to try to cover this guy? Are they going to stick a linebacker on him? Are they going to try to get a cornerback out there? They just, they do so many things just based on how they move around their running backs. And Jalen Samuels is that kind of guy. If you can bring him in and just do anything you want with him, he can be that receiving option. He can run it for you. He can have a little bit of power. He's not a huge power guy, but he's got the speed. I was impressed with his vision this past week. He had incredible patience to, to wait for holes to open up. And when he saw it, boom, he was gone. So another guy that looked really good. And then you talked about Penny having a great game. It's just so crazy because he had such a terrible week. He had lots of fumbles, drops, wasn't seeing the hole very well. A couple times on punt returns, he didn't really read the coverage very well of, of how close they were getting to him, that if they were allowed to actually hit in practice, he would have been lit up big time. But then he gets to the game and he goes out there and dominates. So some guys, like I said, they just... They just turn on when the lights are the brightest. And there, there is something to say about that for sure.
0: Yeah, also maybe it was just because that South defensive front was really getting after the quarterback and owning matchups because that North offensive line against the South defensive front got owned pretty regularly. So maybe maybe Penny, you know, playing against a not-as-good front that the, the North possessed, maybe that gave him a chance to shine a little bit brighter.
2: Which honestly is a little bit crazy to me just because I thought the North had their defensive line, had a great week of practice. Okoronkwo really dominated a lot. Kamoko Ture, he's more of a pass rusher than a run stopper, I guess you would say, but BJ Hill, he didn't really do much in the game and he dominated practice. No. Justin Jones, again, didn't do a whole lot. So I was a little, little surprised at how bad they looked in the game compared to, to practice all week. And I guess when I was designing my studs and duds for I I guess I wasn't thinking about the game because I missed the second half of the game. But I was looking at guys that maybe didn't get the hype during the game because they just didn't do as much in the game. But but they did a ton during the week and then other guys that did a ton during the game uh, during the week. So like for me, my offensive stud is James Washington. And he really didn't do anything in the game. Did he even register a catch? no he didn't no so again i i thought he had the best week of any receiver during practice and you'd get to the game you'd say oh my gosh this guy's trash he did nothing i i he's out of all these receivers he'll be the top one on my board above the rest of these i know we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit on his uh, teammate marcel Aitman, and i know nick you're a big fan of his right
0: I do like him. I I want to see him test, but he's uh he's definitely one of my favorite mid round possession guys.
2: Right. But again, I I'll have Washington ranked above him just because I think Washington can bring a few different things to the game that that Eitman can't. Just because yeah. of the lack of speed, lack of like you said, the numbers won't test as well. Washington's going to go. to the separator. Right. Washington's going to go to the combine. He's going to put up some good numbers.
0: Speaking of guys potentially going to the Combine and actually showing up, but having a good senior bowl and putting up good numbers at the Combine, Eric, the first name of your offensive stud, I was potentially going to put him down, but I figured somebody else would jump at it, and he he had a good game.
1: Yeah, DJ Chark really turned it up. Uh, he had some good uh, days in practice, I've heard, and that game, they couldn't defend him. He would either beat the press against him and take off, If they played off, he would just take off and use his long and quick strides to get by him. They they couldn't do anything to defend him, and he just, he tore that game up. Ended up with like 160 yards, I think. Just ridiculous. Had some huge catches, had some key catches in big moments. He looked unstoppable. And I didn't like him when I went over his tape. I went over a few games of him, and his senior bowl made me go back over. and I. Don't know what it was that I was missing, but I, I missed some stuff on tape. He looks a lot. He looked a lot quicker the second time around. His routes looked a little bit cleaner. He looked a little bit tougher. He just he looked better all around after the Senior Bowl when I went back over the tape. And this guy, he his Senior Bowl helped a lot in in my opinion, and for me, just because it made me go back and rewatch.
0: He was yeah. They could not stop him. They could not stop him.
1: No, they couldn't. They kept having one of my, deep, my defensive dud. He covered him like three times, and all three times ended up in a big play. He was un, he, unstoppable. That's what I keep coming back to because that's what he was. And it
0: was great to watch, just the dominant performance from Chark. It's crazy what having a at least even a mediocre quarterback can do for a wide receiver. Yeah. LSU, for the past few years since Zach Mettenberger, they have been an atrocity of quarterback play even like scrambling wise, but throwing the football, some of the worst quarterback play in power five conference, which is crazy because they get talented athletes on the offensive line. And you know, they have crazy talented wide receiver, but they cannot develop a quarterback. I don't, I don't get it. I'm not coaching there, so I can't say for sure, but I don't know, but Tark's definitely interesting. He does need to probably put on some weight. You know, he weighed in under 200 with a six foot three frame, which is an issue but i mean that that game he had he showed some traits at at some size that is going to make him pretty appealing to a lot of teams you know somebody's going to see that frame and that athleticism and be like i can make something out of that guy and they might be right cuz he has the tools and i'm i'm definitely impressed i think i walked away i mean james washington had a better week but i get it you know he's a good player i do worry a little bit about the 5 foot 10 frame he kind of got a, he kind of looks like a frog I think that's what we talked about, Carl. Did we call him a frog?
2: <laughs> I think so.
0: Yeah. Just like these really long arms and these like long legs, but this weird little torso. I don't, I don't understand it. He kind of looks like, you know, when you're dissecting that frog and you pick him up from the tray the first time and just a super long legs and long limbs. Like what the heck's going on? But very interesting guy. I like truck a lot and I already stole your other offensive studs written down, Eric.
1: Yeah, obviously you mentioned him briefly before in Colby Gossett from Appalachian state, this guy Basically, any run that the team had, he had a key block on it. He looked so great in run blocking. He looked like he could start day one. And this is a guy that's probably going to go in the mid to late rounds now, like fourth or fifth round. But he looks like a day one starter. He answered the questions that teams had about how he could handle against tougher competition. He kept consistently shut down his guys that he was facing up against on the opposing defensive line, and there were some pretty talented dudes. He looked like he belonged, and he looked like he is going to be a long-term starter on day in the NFL, and his tape backs it up too. His tape is excellent. I'm a little bit different than most guys out there. I don't really start digging into college tape until after the college season's over in late December. I'll watch a few guys here and there. So obviously I'm late on Colby Gossett, as I just got around to watching him when the Senior Bowl rosters were announced. But I'm shocked that he wasn't being talked about more it's like everybody was late to him and that, besides the NFL because obviously the NFL they have these guys before That's a whole different rant there
0: but draft media is late they're always catching yeah, up. yeah
1: draft media is late and the NFL's not and there always is there's always, always always mentions about how the NFL's higher on him than the draft media is. Or draft media doesn't know him, but NFL does. Like because draft media is always a little bit behind. Anyways, as for Gossett, he just he he really did. He looked so good. Um, and then the quarterback who was the MVP, Kyle Aletta. Going into this, I was stuck on my. He is a rich man's Trevor Simeon because a lot of what he does is a lot better than Trevor Simeon. And while he didn't shut that down, he made it seem like Trevor Simeon is the homeless man versus Kyle Oletta being the multi-billionaire. He looked so good. There was one play he dodged, like, broke, what, three sacks before he inch- eventually being sacked. But the fact he was able to break out of so many would-be sacks was uh, exceptional. And then he, his pocket presence was outstanding. His poise, his accuracy, his placement, he looked, he looked great. And he looked like a quarterback that will be a long-term starter in the NFL and can see huge success he he shut me up he like i went back and reevaluated him and the tape i'm still kind of seeing the same thing i was before but i can't completely dismiss the senior bowl and his performance in it because he showed what he could do against tougher competition and it was great
0: yeah he was impressive and you got to love that spider helmet as well kind of a interesting logo there <laughs> But switching it to the defensive side, my defensive stud was Trayvon Henderson from Hawaii. I came into that game really looking forward to Kaiser White, for the safety from West Virginia. And in a rewatch, he did stick out a bit. Uh, he's really good in coverage, with especially with man coverage against those running backs and tight ends. But, man, it, I won't lie. Trayvon Henderson's the guy who caught my eye constantly. Coming down, making plays at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage, uh, taking good angles and making plays on the football passing game or run game and he's a guy that i have not checked out much i mean i have not watched much hawaii film i think i watched one game of hawaii this year and that was when josh allen played them but trayvon henderson if he tests well at the combine he's a guy that i'm going to be very interested in there are rumors that the broncos might be looking to move on from darian stewart we'll see if it's a trade we'll see if it's a post june 1st designation or a cut or anything like that but justin simmons is the only guy that i'm really in love with in that safety position you know you have jamal carter and will parks who have some value and some intrigue there, but I would not be against adding another safety. And out of the guys who really flashed in the game itself, Trayvon Henderson was the guy, the, the rainbow warriors. And I was a big fan of everything that he put on display in that game. He was also the leading tackler for that, for the North squad. He had 10 total tackles, including a tackle for loss. So, I mean this for a safety to be your leading tackler, that's kind of an indictment on the defensive line, but that's also, that's good for the safety. He was coming down and making plays and, He's definitely a guy that I'm very intrigued with going forward.
1: Yeah, my defensive stud was Okoronkwo. I don't know how you couldn't be impressed with him. He proved to me that he was an edge. His run, he was able to set the run really well or set the edge against the run very well. He when he dropped back in coverage the few times that I can remember him doing so, he played really well. And rushing the passer, he looked like that he was a star. It looked like he was a long time NFL veteran against high school players out there. He just owned that offensive line. It, it was so fantastic to watch. And one guy who I think actually went a little bit under the radar was Oren Burks from Vanderbilt. I believe he had some really impressive plays coming up and defending the run avoiding, um, sifting through the garbage, avoiding the blocks and making the play. And then another guy I thought was, um, I think Dewey Jarvis was his name. Yes. From Brown. Yep. He, he caught my eye a lot of times too. It's just, there was one play. He was an edge run stretch run and the lead blocker gets out there and he sidesteps, gets behind him. And then he bursts down the running back for a tackle for a loss. It was, it was great. I enjoyed it. I love seeing guys step up, especially when they're flying on the radar. And then, my top linebacker from the senior bowl, Darius Leonard, he had a great game in coverage. He had some good plays against the run, but he really did show his limited sideline to sideline speed that hurt him sometimes.
0: 14 total tackles though. That's not too bad. The guy yeah. I, I'm going to totally cut off Carl here because I like to do that, but I see is none of your guys' defensive studs either, but Jalen Holmes from Ohio state was really impressive as well. Five total tackles two tackles for loss and two sacks. I mean, that's he had he had himself a game. I know he's probably not your typical 3-4 edge rusher, probably a better fit in a 4-3, but I mean, how, how crazy that this guy was not starting at Ohio State because he is just incredibly talented.
1: That shows how deep that line is that, part yeah. that Ohio State has.
0: Yeah, and, we all made fun of uh, Chiano when he said yeah. that the defensive line that he had at Ohio State was better than any he ever had talents-wise at Tampa Bay. And looking at the talent now, kind of like stepping back, if you're including what these guys are going to be, you know, five years from now, he might not be wrong. He honestly might not be wrong because the talent that wasn't there. These are the like, Ohio state's backup guys were the ones there. Take one, Lewis Jalen Holmes. They didn't see the field that often. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting group there.
2: No, I was going to piggyback off you there a little bit, Eric on Okoronkwo. I think that was one of my biggest takeaways this week. It was, I've, started to change my view that he's not just a situational pass rusher. This is a guy that could actually be a three down player for a team. His ability to hold up against Tyrell Crosby in the run game, actually win the leverage battle and hold him at his spot and keep the edge. I was flat out impressed that a guy that weighs 240 could take on a guy that's 320 and do that. But he just, he knows how to use his, he knows how to use his height and his long arms. He's kind of like Doomerville. Doomerville is never great against the run, but he knew how to use the, the leverage to, to win when he needed to. And Okoronkwo kind of reminds me a little bit of that, but he's, he's a little bit more... I think he's a little bit more aggressive than Doomerville. He's a little bit more on the physical side instead of the, the finesse side that Doomerville showed. And Do you think he's as twitched up? I think Doomerville has a faster first step yeah. when he was at okay. his, his prime. Because Dumerville could win that way with the first step, and then his long arms just kept a guy off his body, and then he could bend around the edge. Okoronkwo, he's more of a, he shows a little bit more of winning with power. I watched him drive guys back into the lap of the quarterback. Even guys that were 80 pounds heavier than him, he was driving them back into the quarterback. So he he's one of those guys, he has outside moves, he has inside moves. I just I was I was flat out impressed with this guy because at Oklahoma, you just didn't really see One, they didn't really have like a a set position, like this is where we're going to play this guy. They moved him all over. And so it's just kind of hard to tell, okay, where's this guy really going to fit in the NFL? Well, it's easy to see now. He's going to be an edge guy, most likely that 3-4 outside linebacker kind of guy. And like I said, I I do think that he could be a three-down player. I think you're going to have to sub for him just because he's going to get beat up a little bit. But, man, he, he really impressed in the game and during practice all week.
1: It's hard picking just one defender, really, because Nick, you mentioned Jalen Holmes and that nobody really mentioned him. But if you look at the defensive talent here, there's a lot of people that had really good games. Jeremy Reeves, uh, Puna Ford had a good game. Shaquem Griffin, um, Sarah Neal, uh, Fred Warner had a pretty good one before he ended up leaving. Tyquan Lewis. um, Let's see, there was Jamarcus King. He had a I mean, he had one big mistake, but he had a couple really good plays. MJ Stewart, BJ Hill, he was really tough in the middle. Just a lot of guys just had on that defensive side had really good games.
0: Yeah, I know. It was a good game by a lot of those guys. But there were a few duds as well.
1: Yes. There, and yeah. I'm going to
0: kick it off here. Yeah, there was a few duds as well. And I'm going to kick it off with my offensive dud. I had hopes for him coming into this game. You know, the tall uh, – play tight end, moved to tackle, and had a chance to really rise himself up. I thought, from all indications, that he struggled in the game, especially by Marcus Davenport. I mean, there were plays where his hands and his, the power of his punch were just non-existent. Like, he did not know what he was doing with his hands. Saying that he, he's a good athlete and he has, you know, the athleticism, the length and everything like that, not ready to start in the NFL day one. And if he is, he's going to be eaten up by power guys with length. Just like Marcus Davenport did. I mean, Marcus Davenport, very hyped, but he's very raw. And he whooped up on Brian O'Neill. So I was very disappointed in Brian O'Neill. I was hoping to see more and and take until round three at this point. You know, maybe things can change. And how he performed in the practices and in the game, I definitely have some concerns there with him, especially in a power scheme.
1: Yeah, O'Neill is definitely just a... He's a developmental tackle, He has that tight end history, and his athleticism is off the charts. But technically, his technique, footwork, his punch, it's all very, very, very raw. There was a few plays where he didn't even look like he got his hands up by the time Davenport was taking the edge off um, around him. Uh, Another offensive line who I thought was kind of a dud was Alex Kappa. Like This guy came in with a lot of hype with how mean he was. From everything I heard, his senior bowl week, while not great, wasn't bad. He was pretty much – he was solid. He played left guard and left tackle in both places he struggled. And then I think the obvious offensive duds have to go to two of the quarterbacks who were more spray and praying than actually playing quarterback and Tanner Lee and Ken Benkert. I mean, Benkert had that one beautiful pass to Penny for the long touchdown, but that was about it. And Lee was just as we talked about earlier. Was just so bad.
2: I think my guy is Jalil Scott. He came into this. I was really excited to watch him play all week, and then he got out on the field. His hands weren't great. His route running was hit and miss. His feet were quicker than I thought they'd be, but again, it it just wasn't it wasn't smooth. And then he got into the game, and he had a couple really key drops, and just didn't really. For for being a what six foot five guy, he just doesn't seem to play with that kind of height, in my opinion. And I, I just I was, I was not very impressed with him.
1: Yeah, it was really weird to see him not play with his height. And from what I heard during the practices, he didn't really play to his height either. But on tape, it's there. But you gotta see it against a tougher competition, and he struggled. And by my count, you mentioned drops, and I think I had him with two drops, maybe three. It was it was so bad. And then, talking about receivers, I have one. He had a great week, and you talked about him earlier, Carl. And that's James Washington. He just disappeared during the game. For a guy whose route running was undefendable in practices, pretty much from what I heard, he just could not get separation. I always struggle talking about receivers in games with their struggles and stuff like that, because they can do still do well. And just not have the ball thrown their way, but you got to be able to create separation. And Washington didn't seem to create very much separation whenever I saw him out on the field.
0: Yeah, he was definitely a dud in the game. But granted, his quarterback play isn't the best, and maybe they rolled coverage his way. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to do without the all twenty two. But I was hoping for a little bit of fireworks considering the how he was so much better than everybody else in the practices and everything. So
1: I was hoping for something creative to get on the ball. Yeah, just. To let it, to show him something and I mean that's partially on the quarter on the coaching staff and on the quarterback, but it you still gotta do something to get them to want to do that. You gotta do something to get the quarterback to wanna throw it to you and I just from what I was able to see, he just didn't do that.
0: Alright then, but then we have a few defensive duds as well that, you know, had some hype coming into the game and or even this week and just didn't really live up to it. For me, my guy was Harrison Phillips from Stanford. He was a guy that had a lot of tackles, especially behind the line of scrimmage during his career at Stanford. And he looked like a guy who was much more happy to hand fight with the offensive tackle or an offensive interior lineman rather than trying to get after the quarterback. And that's something that is, is an issue. I'm not sure how athletic he is moving laterally or moving forward. He does a good job of disengaging from offensive linemen, which I mean, that's that's a big part of it but he doesn't really know what to do or have the athleticism to do anything after that. And he did not have a great game. I saw him get pushed off the line a few times. I think he's probably maxed out from his frame as well. And I just, I don't know. I know he's a guy that has had a little bit of hype coming into this week and everything, but I, I was overall disappointed. I don't, I'm not really a big fan for him for Denver moving forward, at least not like day two. If he's there at that point, you know, it's, he kind of fits there. But day two, I, I don't think he's a great fit for what Denver needs from their one gap penetrating defensive line.
1: Yeah, I agree. He's more of a run defender than a pass rusher. And if Denver's going defensive line, I know they have DeMarcus Walker, who's that interior rusher guy, but they need some, someone consistently. You can't always bet on draft picks. You can't always bet on young guys keeping it up. Because Shelby Harris ended with like five and a half sacks in the last like six games or something like that. So they definitely got some. You can't bet on it. So if they're going to get defensive linemen, it has to be somebody that has some pass rush. And Phillips didn't doesn't have it well enough to really fit. I mean, he was able to get it in the college level, but he won't at the NFL. He's a run. Def- he's a run defender. And that's what showed on during the senior bowl. And I agree that he was kind
0: of a dud. I was speaking. of, sorry. I've totally forgot a stud on the defensive side, talking about the opposite of what Harrison Phillips was this week. Andrew Brown, man, he was just destroying people in the game. His first step. Incredible. I know that he's probably better as a three tech, but with how the Broncos like to use the, those defensive linemen to slant, if they were looking for a guy with some length potential to add some weight for five tech and get after the quarterback, Andrew Brown was really impressive in practices and in the game. Sorry to jump to that one, but I just all of a sudden you were talking about what Denver needs on the defensive line. I'm like, oh man, how did I not mention Andrew Brown? He was killer.
2: He was probably one of my favorite players to watch all week. His first step quickness is just off the charts.
0: For his size too. I mean, he's right, he's huge.
2: And I'd say he's probably one of the more physical players that I saw the entire week he invited contact. He wanted to go hit somebody, even as he's bursting through the line, like he's trying to work to shove a guy to the side as much as he possibly can. And then as he'd get up, I mean, he was just fired up. He was jumping around everywhere. You couldn't get this guy to stand still. He just has so much energy bursting in him. So I I love to see him on this Bronco defense. I think he fits with their kind of style that they love to play with. You know, just that, that almost over the edge level of intensity, aggressiveness, play to the very end of the whistle, you know, the echo of the whistle or however they say that he is that kind of guy. So I think he'd be a perfect fit for the Broncos.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. But sorry to backtrack us there. You know, totally forgot about him. He was definitely needed a little bit of hype, but back to the duds. I think just in general, the whole week, the linebacking group on that North roster was a little bit of the duds. They really just did not stand out to me. Juwan Bentley did not have a great game from Purdue, a little bit bigger. And Garrett Dooley, he's a guy that had some hype coming into this, you know, because Wisconsin edge defenders. Wisconsin has recently been putting out some edge guys, but I didn't really see anything from Dooley that got me excited.
1: He had one good play that I can recall off the top of my head. Yeah. He got around the corner really quick and put a hit on the quarterback as he threw the guard in the ball. Mm. That's the only thing that I can think of off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, just just not not twitched up enough not long enough, not extra enough in any regard. That makes me think he's going to be a good fit as a two-point edge defender in the Broncos 3-4 defense.
1: Yeah, he's. I think he's, he's a depth piece. He's that depth motor guy that will go all out every play. But if you want that, I'm going Kylie Fitz out of Utah who had a really good week. And he actually had a couple nice plays during the game if I remember correctly.
0: He did. So did Fred Warner. Those those guys stood out a little bit more.
1: Uh, Mike McCray, he had a, uh, out of Michigan, he had a great oh. play at the beginning of the game, but after that he kind of silenced himself a little bit and didn't stand out as much. But my big yeah. dud is the cornerback responsible for three of Chark's big plays, and that's Michael Joseph out of Dubuque. He's slow. Just, he's not physical enough. The game was it was way too fast. Chark was way too fast for him. The game speed was way too fast for him. He was fish out of water. He didn't look like he belonged out there on that field, and that tends to lean towards that he doesn't look to fit on the NFL field on Sundays either because this is that one step for those small school guys to show that they can belong, and if you don't show it, then the odds are you're not going to make it on Sundays either. And just disappointing because I know he got talked about a little bit during – the week because he was could be that slot guy he's a little has enough brings a little bit of physical play to jam at the line and throw people off routes and during the game that just wasn't shown and I'm really disappointed in it because as I've said before I'm the small school guy and I'm always rooting for him and when you don't step up
0: it's hard to back you still what about you Carl you have some duds from the defensive side I'm sure
2: yeah I think one for me a little bit, and this is kind of maybe being a little bit too much nitpicky, but Uchina Nuoso. He had a couple really nice plays during the game. He got after the quarterback a couple times, got close. But I guess I just was hoping to see a little bit more just because he had such a, a good week. He really showed so well as a pass rusher, getting it and then dropping off into coverage as well. And I guess I just was hoping to see a little bit more fireworks from him. Maybe that was just because I had too high of expectations going in. But I just, I was hoping for a little bit more from him.
1: Yeah, I gotta, I gotta think that was just a little bit too high expectations because I thought he was great. He was probably one of the best edge setters against the run that there was. There was two plays to his side that he stacked the he stacked the offensive lineman and shed him and was able to have an impact on the outcome of the play. While he, well, his pass rush was a little bit disappointing, I thought he made up for it with some really good run defense.
2: Right. Like, like I said, I, I, I know I saw him making some plays here and there. It's just more, I really thought this would be his coming out game. And he's yeah. one of those guys that has absolutely changed my opinion on him from the very first time I watched him. Nick will attest to this. My first time talking about the guy was not very pretty. <laughs> I was very, very harsh on Nuoso. And then I went back and watched a few more games and realized maybe I just watched the wrong games where they just used him very poorly. And I really blamed more of his issues on USC than I do him. USC had no clue how to use the guy. They, they had him at times just almost like standing still because they're like, we don't know if we want you to go after the quarterback or if we want you to drop in coverage. We just stood there and I was like, man, this guy is just doing nothing. Well, like I said, I I figured out it was more USC because once all of a sudden I started watching him be in coverage or get after the quarterback, he was just dominating people
0: Yeah,
2: this whole week being there, just watching him get after the quarterback. He was just dominating. Nobody could stop this guy. Even dropping back in coverage. He looked really, really good. Looked really smooth. It just looked natural. And so I was, I was very excited to watch him in the game, and it just wasn't quite what I was hoping for.
1: Yeah, and I, I want to backtrack because I just remembered a name that actually really stood out in the game, and that's Marquise Haynes. Just he's this guy's year, this year's. Um, hold on, the name Hassan. He's this Redick. year's Hassan Reddick.
0: He's say it again. Play say, say it again. Start again. He's this year's. He's this year's
1: Hassan Reddick. He can play inside, outside, and he showed the versatility that he brings. And he, he was fantastic to watch this game for me. But going back to guys who are kind of duds, I don't, I didn't like the performance from Quinn Blanding or Levi Wallace. Like, these are two guys that came in with a lot of hype around them as the defensive backs, and I just wasn't happy with what I saw. Wallace just struggled in coverage at times and wasn't playing tight enough coverage for me. And Blanding, he's was good in coverage, but he was wiped out of the play when he came down to help against the run.
0: All right. Well, we still have a bit to get to here, but first we want to say thank you to our great sponsor audible. Get a free audiobook download with a 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up to some mock drafts stuff. That's going around the web. You know, a lot of different opinions of the Broncos are not only going to do with pick number five, but the other picks as well, but we blabbermouths decided to go too long on the senior bowl. Change the name of the podcast to the windbags, but you guys, (laughs) we really love you Twitter followers out there. You guys, I asked for just this morning, you know, anybody have any Twitter questions today for us that we're going to talk, we can talk about on the podcast, a good number of guys come in and respond. So we really love you guys. Thank you very much for reaching out to us with a lot of excellent questions that Definitely worth discussing. So we're going to start off here. We had a, our first tweet from follower Sareth Chang, and they said, Hey, at Eric Trickle, at NickKennelMHH, at Carl MHH, and at Chad Jensen, have you guys heard anything about Cyrus Cuangio? Do you think he'll have a shot at right tackle next year? Thanks. And I will be one to admit I have a little bit of a vendetta against Cyrus. I, he was a high school kid, and he had a choice to go to the University of Alabama or the University of Iowa. Those were his last two schools, and he chose Alabama. So ever since then, not a fan. No, I'm just kidding. That's that's a true story. Uh, I, I think he's got a chance at right tackle next year, but it's more likely that he's going to get a chance as like a swing tackle. You know, there's always the, the minute possibility that he will outshine what my expectations are. You know, he played. I thought he played pretty well in that Week 17 game, but I don't think it's smart for the Broncos to go into next offseason sort of contingency plan that Cyrus... Quanjo is going to be a potential starting right tackle for the Broncos. He does have some upside, has some size, has some athleticism, still pretty young, but I think that he's probably, you're probably better off with him as your third or fourth tackle heading into next off season.
2: I think I actually answered this question on Twitter, but I'll kind of reiterate it here since not everybody would have seen that. I, I was with you there. I think he has a chance, but Broncos are going to bring in some pretty heavy competition for the position either that being a high draft pick or possibly in a trade. I don't know if there's really much in the free agency market. I saw today that somebody had asked uh, the the left tackle for the Patriots, Nate Soldier. They'd asked him about his upcoming free agency and whether he would think about coming home, which is to Colorado. And (laughs) he kind of went, I'm not going to talk about that right now. I still got one more game to play, and then I'll think about that. But – he's about the only tackle that's maybe okay. He's not even all that great. So free agency is probably not the way. So it'd be a trade or draft, but they're going to bring in some decent conversation competition for Cyrus. But I I did, I agree with you. He, he showed pretty well in his opportunities. And even when he was with Buffalo, he had some decent opportunity or decent showings when he was healthy and, and not in trouble. So uh, he's got a good chance as anybody. Broncos are just, kind of putting things on a dartboard and throwing a dart blindfolded and hoping that they find somebody that can play that right tackle because it's been quite the adventure over the last few years. So I don't mind them adding as much competition as possible to that
1: position. Yeah, I'm I'm not with you on this one. I think at best he's going to be competing for the backup tackle spot. I don't think they'll be giving him a serious shot at right tackle. Uh, there's, a, there's a reason – and it wasn't just thought field that he was available on the free agent market from the end of August until November, especially with the state of offensive line play the way it is. There there was a reason why he was available. He just... He was okay in Buffalo, but they obviously, they wanted to move on, and they wanted to upgrade the position. Detroit Lions, he didn't cut it there. And Denver, he it, it took him a while to catch on, and finally step in at right tackle despite all the issues there. So I don't think he's going to get a shot. I think that they're going to bring in somebody either in the draft or trade that will step in at right tackle and they'll be the guy at right tackle. There won't be a competition and that he'll be competing with somebody else that they bring in for the backup swing tackle spot.
0: We're on the same page. I mean, I'm I'm saying it's like a thousand to one odds that he's going to win the right tackle spot. I just don't see it. They're going to do everything in their possibility that that scenario doesn't play itself out. Oh, I thought I heard you saying that he he will probably compete for it. Oh no no, he'll he'll compete for that swing tackle spot. Oh, yeah, that he will compete oh. for. Yeah, I mean he's still young. He's has there's still a potential upside there for sure. But yeah, if you're going into the next season OTAs where Cyrus has a chance to be your starting right tackle, you're in a world of trouble.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> there's actually I had to remember how old he was. So I Googled him, and there's actually an interesting story, and I can't remember the rest of it, but he was found undressed by deputies and firefighters in New York.
0: He was drugged out of his mind. So,
1: (laughs) that I mean, obviously that could have something to do with him being a free agent from August to November, but that happened on April 20th, and the Lions signed him on June 15th, so I don't think it had that big of a part.
0: Yeah, but no, that's uh, thank you very much for the question, Sareth. We also have a tweet here from Craig Kennicott. Um, if the QB position isn't addressed in free agency, Denver needs to come out of the draft with either Rosen or Mayfield. Do you agree? I would say right now those are the most likely scenario. I mean, there is, is a chance that Darnold is well, and you know if everything goes haywire, there's probably is still a chance that maybe it's Josh Allen. Gosh, I probably not. I would put that as a very low odds. But right now, if you put a gun to my head, I would say the most likely scenarios are the Broncos either come out with Kirk Cousins or they go get Mayfield. Everything else is a few tiers down in probability.
1: Yeah. With everything I've been hearing right now, it's either cousins or Mayfield and that Denver will is prepared if they don't get cousins to jump up to number three at all costs to go get their guy. Obviously they're not going to flat out say it's Mayfield, but everything I've heard points to it being Mayfield. Um, I don't think Donald or Rosen will be there. As I said, with everything that I've heard right now is that they're going one and two. Obviously things can change between now and then but just with how things are right now and with what I'm hearing, it's if it's not addressed in
0: free agency, then they're coming out with Mayfield. Do you agree, Carl? Should we just move on to the next one?
2: Yeah. I mean, the only thing I disagree with is not including the name Darnold on that list. I said Darnold
0: oh, with him. With Craig. Uh, you, you did,
2: but I mean, on the actual tweet itself, just, uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's my guy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So, but I, I agree. I, I don't think he's going to be there. I don't think Rosen's going to be there. And so that does leave Mayfield or Cousins being the the top two choices for the Broncos. So, I mean, that's what all of us have been hearing. So it's, it's hard to really disagree with that right now until things change.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, we got a tweet here from friend of the podcast, David Cromolo, D Crom NFL. His question reads, if the Broncos don't go get QB at five, should they a draft Saquon Barkley, if he's available B, draft Quentin Nelson if he's available. Or C, trade down even if Barkley and or Nelson are available. I'm going to kick it off to Eric here first because I feel like I've been blabbering first. I just want to kind of take up the rerun on this one.
1: Can I go D, all of the above for somehow? Uh, I mean, <laughs> It's hard to point one way. Obviously, it, it, it'll depend on what they get in free agency. If they get Cousins, then I have a hard time not going Barkley. Because you get that immediate run game that will help take some pressure off of Cousins. But at the same time, if they get Cousins, it's a hard time not saying Nelson because they can get that guy, that left guard, to help stable their offensive line. And then if they get Cousins, it's trading down because there's still a lot of value to be had and you can get more value with those picks in terms of players. And you can potentially address more needs. Trading down, it can put them in a spot to get an offensive tackle to face off against the elite pass rushers in the AFC West. You can get the linebacker who can help cover or help blitz or defend the run. You can go get a cornerback if you are moving on from Tlaib who to bring stability that stability with the three corners that Denver runs with. There's so many different options, but if they don't get Cousins, they are going quarterback. So that's why I'm talking that if they get Cousins that with this scenario. But <laughs> I have a hard time leaning one way and with cousins on hand, just because I think that Barkley is a franchise changer. I'd say you go with scenario a, you'd take Saquon Barkley.
2: That's what I was just about to say is if Barkley is there at five and the Broncos pass on him, I'm going to be a little frustrated. I know you don't take running back that high, but this guy added to the offense, and, and this is, this is about my only reason I've really come around a little bit to us going cousins for the quarterback position, because I've been a big staunch fighter against that is if you compare him with Barkley, I think just those two added to the offense as is if you keep everything else the same, I think they're easily a top 10 offense. Top 10, not even top
0: top 15, top 10.
2: I'm, I'm going top 10 just because you have an explosive run game. Our offensive line already showed that they are actually a very good run blocking group. So you add Barkley to that, and then that takes pressure off the quarterback, obviously. And we've seen wide receiver is such a quarterback-dependent position. You were talking about it with D.J. Chark. When he gets away from the LSU quarterbacks, all of a sudden the guy starts shining. You stick Cousins in there with some of the the weapons that the Broncos have. You get Jake Butt. You get Carlos Henderson back from, from injury. I think all of a sudden that offense can become very, very explosive. And just something that teams are going to really hate to go against. So that it'd be hard for me not to say, Hey, option a is your top choice. Then again, I've loved Quentin Nelson. I think he's a guy that could be an all pro even as a rookie. So I, I really, I I'm kind of with you on this option D where I'd be happy with any of them, but I think I'd be happiest. uh, Let's just go with that. My happiest choice would be drafting Saquon Barkley.
0: I can't disagree. Honestly, I think I'd be interested in trading trading down in this scenario. If you already have Kirk Cousins, I know that some people think you need that elite franchise changer there, but I'm I kind of like the, the wide net approach where if you don't if you have that quarterback already, then you just take a bunch of young controllable talent and you can add future assets as well. this is a pretty deep uh, offensive line group, especially like middle of round 1 to probably the end of round 2 to middle of round 3 area and if you can add yourself a couple first round picks or a first round pick this year and next year with the added bonus of another day 2 pick i would be very intrigued by that scenario but definitely if you know if you're not getting the value you want barkley or nelson either one they're both great you know it's like do you want gold or do you want you know platinum you know i'll take both i don't care like just give it to me it's going to be great
1: it's like asking do you want a million dollars in hundred dollar bills or a million dollars in $20 bills.
0: Twenties. <laughs> uh, <20s. Yeah. laughs> yeah. Make it rain.
2: That's
1: right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Hannah may has a question as well. It kind of goes along the same theme, but she said it may have already been a- answered. So disregard, but at the Broncos free agency, who are your favorite five or who are your favorites at five best player available or biggest need? And we already kind of talked about Barkley and Nelson. I think those are my top two guys. But outside of that, I it's probably Roquan Smith. I gosh, it's probably gotta be Roquan Smith, right? I like Tremaine Edmonds a lot, but he's not as the he's not the fluid cover guy that you see with Roquan Smith. You know, and I'm hoping the Broncos bring back Todd Davis can be a little bit more of that that fill guy. But Roquan, his athleticism his side is sideline to sideline ability. And with how defenses are trending, you know, getting a little bit smaller, getting more athletic, getting more fluid, especially with that linebacking core. Roquan Smith's probably the guy that I would be most interested in there at five super keen on minka fitzpatrick there if we needed a free safety badly i'd be a little bit more interested but i don't want him to play a strong safety because he's already has some questions about his tackling and then nickelback at five i just don't see the value there i could potentially maybe see a edge rusher like bradley chubb there he's but i think he's being pushed up a little bit from the lack of a true elite elite edge talent this year and I still love Tavin Bryan. He's, th- he's way too high for five overall, but that's, that's my son. That is my son this draft season. I'm planting that flag. So I'll just say, screw it. Give me that, give me that boy from Florida, Tavin Bryan. And he can't see me right now, but I just dabbed. That's my boy.
1: <laughs> I,
0: I
2: was okay. thinking Bradley Chubb. Yeah. I, I just, when the Broncos won the Super Bowl in 2015, it was with an elite pass rushing unit. There there are two starters and then two backups that probably could be starting for a lot of other teams in the NFL. And right now I just I guess I just don't see Shane Ray as the future at the position. I don't think Shaq Barrett's going to be with the Broncos past this year, maybe not even this upcoming year, depending on how they tag him and if some team really wants him. And I just this last year, it was so tough to watch for Von Miller. There was no player that was double teamed more in the NFL than Von Miller. And he still dominated. I know some Bronco fans have had this narrative of, oh my gosh, he didn't have 20 sacks. He's terrible. He's not worth the contract. No, I think he had one of his best years, if not his best year this last year. He was fighting through so much, to try to get after that quarterback and was still getting pressure. So you add that other guy on the other end that could actually be a, a very, very good pass rusher. I don't know if he'll ever reach that elite level, but I think he can be a very, very good one. And he's going to be great in the run game. I just, I would love to see that opposite of Vaughn Miller. I think that'd be huge for this defense.
1: Yeah. Everybody that you guys mentioned, obviously, I'm going to lean Roquan Smith. This guy immediately comes in and fills a huge need that the Broncos have had on defense. And he's a top three player on my board. They have had struggled uh, covering tight ends and running backs. And Smith does just that. He's good enough against the run. He's not the best if he gets blocked, but that's what the big guys up front are for. And you got to fix that need. If you're getting the quarterback, which was the biggest need on offense, address the biggest need on defense, get the linebacker, help fill a huge hole there. Nick, you mentioned Mika Fitzpatrick. Personally, I just don't see him as a fit with what the Broncos want from their safeties. Even their free safety, they um, they want physical play from there. And I have serious questions about it. He's... More of a, he likes to go low and try to shoestring tackle, and he, I mean, he'll lay him out every now and then, but not often. And again, I refer back to this Tennessee game that he played, and there's one play where he just instead of making the tackle like he could have, he just turns around and runs upfield with the ball carrier. Well, the ball carrier picks up like an extra five yards, and Fitzpatrick was in a perfect position to. Maybe not get the tackle, but at least slow him down because there were other teammates collapsing on him, and they wouldn't. He would have gained maybe an extra yard. So I, I don't, I don't agree with him. It's just I don't see the fit with what Denver wants from their safety. Uh, Brian, actually, I would be perfectly fine with Dave Von Brian at number five. Honestly, this guy, he's fantastic. He's a little bit rough around the edges, but the defensive line coach Denver has the bear wrestler. Just getting him with that raw, physical talent that Brian has can lead to something amazing. I've heard, I was talking with the source about this, and he kept mentioning, if you pair up Brian with Caller, you can end up getting like a J.J. Watt type of of player. Making my heart
0: flutter. Maybe not as good as
1: J.J. Watt, (laughs) but that guy who can be very disruptive in the running game and passing game. And then Bradley Chubb got to find a Robin to Von Miller's Batman. It's that simple. Shane Ray's not it. Chubb's a little bit better against the run. Shaq Barrett may not be around this year. They're going to tag him with a second-round tender, and I'm sure some team in the late second round will jump at the chance. Barrett's proven a proven run defender, and he's proven that he can get after the quarterback. And teams that need a lot of help getting after the quarterback could look there. If the Browns pass on Uh, Bradley Chubb with either their first or um, number four pick. I could see them being interested in Barrett. They had a few interests in there a little bit a few years ago, but that was obviously different staff there. The Patriots are another team. They got to get somebody who can get after the quarterback, just multiple teams that could have interest in it. But I think the surprise one would probably be Orlando Brown. He just fits. With what the Broncos want on the offensive line at right tackle a lot. And even if they get Cousins, from what I've heard, I wouldn't roll out a quarterback either. So they, they definitely have options and they definitely have definitely have different plans going forward. But if if I have to take one, as I said, it'd be Smith.
0: Fair enough. Man, I did I've just threw out Tavin Brian there because he's my favorite player in this draft. You know, forget value or anything else i love me some interior pass rushers that can get after the quarterback with length and motor and he's my boy so do you just say that you would take him at five not only vindicating but i'm on i'm gonna have to wrap this up because i need to go to the hospital i think i had a heart attack
1: <laughs> honestly Nick, i wouldn't be surprised if he actually goes top 10 it, there's been a lot I, of talk that i've been hearing of it, him going top 10
0: thank god i mean also that sucks but like thank god because i saw this kid and i'm like nobody's talking about him what the hell is going on pardon my french but like that level of athleticism and that size paired with the kid that he apparently is by all accounts i mean that's that's a special package i know he's a little bit raw but still i think that you know if you're looking for those pass rushers in the nfl especially from the inside those guys are rare and he has it so i'm i'm a big fan and I was praying maybe the Broncos might scoop him in the second round, but that's highly doubtful. And if he can go top 10, I'll just be just as happy. I'll be vindicated, and I'll be a fan of him wherever he goes. Unless it's Oakland or the Patriots.
2: (laughs) Well, maybe you should start paying Mel Kiper to hype him up.
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, thanks to the rest of you guys for tweeting us. We have some more here, but we are running out of time, so we will get to these next week or at some point. uh, Mike Middleton, Alex Valdez. Jennifer Pearson, who I shall not be bending the knee to Baker Mayfield just yet. She tweets me about that quite often, which I I appreciate it. I like to give her a little bit of jab as well. I felt very, very clever with my with the uh, Tyrion Lannister going on trial, putting the head on Baker or putting Baker Mayfield's head on him. I, I don't know if anybody else enjoyed that as much as I did, but I'm just going to keep sharing that out every time somebody tries to force feed me Baker Mayfield, which I'm a, I am a fan of him, but I just like to tease the Baker Mayfield fanboys. You know, some people love Baker Mayfield like to a point where it's like no matter what they love him. I'm like that with Tav and Brian. So I get it, but I'm still going to tease you because I'm that guy. But that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the huddle up 2018 NFL draft podcast. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dummler, MHH, Eric at Eric trickle and myself at Nick Kendall, MHH. Also make sure you head on over to mile high huddle and affiliate of Scout.com and CBS sports digital to find ours and our co-writers latest articles not just related to the draft, but all things that pertain to the Denver Broncos. If you have any questions pertaining to the draft or the Denver Broncos in general that you guys would like us to answer, please reach out to us on Twitter. We are active on there, but we also love to bring them onto the show, and you saw it here today, our back-and-forth and and in-depth conversations on the podcast. So please, feel free to tweet us and reach out to us with your thoughts and opinions on the Broncos, especially as it pertains to the NFL draft. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, Tube. You can follow us on Twitter, at MileHeadHuddle and at Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dummler and Eric Trickle, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up this week's episode of the Huddle Up Draft podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next week. As always, go Broncos and go draft.
1: Mile high huddle.